Hello, horror fans. Welcome back to Selling the Scream, a show about horror movies brought to you by one horror nerd and one horror noob. I'm Jed Donaldson, the aforementioned noob. Uh, that just leaves us with our nerd, uh, who is with us as he always is, uh, Josh, the Scream Queen, Yoakum. How you doing, Josh? I'm I'm doing pretty well. Um, we got yeah, we got the launch of a of a movie Scream Queen with this film, but we also R.I.P. Uh, a Daphne if we're keeping it wrestling themed that's yeah no that's absolutely it's a taken too soon yeah no I, I was absolutely huge daphne fan so it's it's a tragedy but anyway <laughs> how are you doing uh, you started off on a down note here <laughs> yeah no i was i was steering out of that skid <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh you know i'm i'm here we're doing the podcast so how could i be any better and we're uh we're putting this one out on a special day on on halloween we got uh any any fun stuff lined up? Oh, ah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Friday thirteenth is not the only special day for this podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, Halloween is also, I guess, uh, you know, it's spooky, so appropriate that we'd be doing something a little little special for Halloween. I wonder uh, what movie I, we'll do. I, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I, don't, I have no clue. What could we possibly do on Halloween? Um, I don't have any specific plans for Halloween. And we'll obviously go out with the kids, um, but you know. I'm old and don't really have any people around to go out and do uh, like party stuff with. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't because fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to be invited, though. It's nice to. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I haven't been, so I guess it's not that nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I won't lord that over you. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting, getting jazzed here. We got. Uh... My my son is going as Batman, so getting him working on his Batman voice. Just uh, trick or treat. Where is she? <laughs> it's a it's an important part of the costume. He can't go out without, as Batman without that. Otherwise, have... people just know who he was. <laughs> Get him confused with Bruce Wayne. Right. Um, yeah. They're clearly different people. Ooh, that's what I should tell people my costume is. I'm Bruce Wayne, <laughs> handsome billionaire. <laughs> That'll throw him off the scent. Um, I mean, saw them both in the same place, so it couldn't possibly be the same person. Um, yeah, we, we, we carved uh, a pumpkin together this past weekend. And um, I, I have a, uh, a poster for the movie Halloween that I'm not allowed to have up because it scares my son too much, but he, he kind of vaguely remembers it and he wanted to do the jack-o'-lantern as the, um, as the, the, the Halloween pumpkin with, with the knife in the side of it. Um, and it's funny because, uh, we haven't done our pumpkins yet. We're probably going to do them, uh, probably tomorrow night. Uh, this is two days before Halloween. We didn't want to be sitting out and get all yucky before the actual day. Um, but I was thinking as I watched this movie, which we'll get to as what it actually is, if you haven't guessed, um, I'm probably going to carve my pumpkin to look like the pumpkin from the opening credits. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I did that last year. Um, it, so I'm guessing you saw the little uh, a little, little Easter egg in in there. We'll talk about it. We'll 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 mention what what movie we're doing here. But <laughs> do, do we talk about vague allusions to movies on this podcast? Now? I think we talk about specific movies in this podcast. So uh, I mean, if you want to get into it, we can go ahead and get into it. Yeah, uh, we are covering uh, Halloween, 1978, John Carpenter Halloween. 
Yes. It's kind of a, I don't want to say like the, the granddaddy of slasher films, but it's certainly uh, one of the early entries and probably a key entry in the, the genre. Yeah, it made it made a lot of money, which which if the arguments that you make for like the other movies that are slashers generally, that's kind of where they fall apart a little bit. <laughs> right. um, and it made it kind of legitimately, unlike Texas Chainsaw Massacre owned by the mob and this movie made nothing. You shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we're doing um, 1978's Halloween, not to be confused with 2007's Halloween or 2018's direct sequel to 1970. 1970- 1978 Halloween, Halloween. Um, <laughs> oh, so it's Halloween then, not Halloween. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about John Carpenter and and my lord. Like, not just like my favorite director, but like personal hero for me. What I aspire to be in my life. He seems um, like a real one for sure. <laughs> um. Yeah, they're 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 covering him on on. Uh, blank check podcast right now and and like every every story that comes out is just endears me to this grumpy old man even more this this guy who just wants nothing more than to wake up at noon do bong rips and play assassin's creed (laughs) (laughs) a good work if you can get it (laughs) just give interviews where he just like just fucking lays out whoever is has caught his displeasure or uh, makes fun of the interviewer for suggesting that he get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He has no chill, I guess you would say. Um, he's, he is at USC kind of at the same time that a lot of the new Hollywood folks are, uh, yeah, your, your De Palma's and your, your Spielberg's and your Lucas's and stuff all together with Carpenter. Um, He's kind of not in that mold, though. He's uh, he's more like his his idols are Roger Corman and and Howard Hawks. He's like about getting X amount of money and making a movie for that amount of money and having it function, <laughs> doing it quick and cheap. I mean, sure. I mean, <laughs> that's that is a way to go about it. <laughs> um. Like not really fond of of Carrie. Like he had, he has disparaging things to say about it because he just thinks it's it's show offy just to be show offy and just just a, a real fun grump. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is his third movie. He did uh, his first movie actually his his student film that he put together with Dan O'Bannon who had gone to write Alien and uh, do Return of the Living Dead. Uh, Got got enough attention that it got like enough funding to be theatrically released, um, Dark Star, and then he makes uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, which um, have you have you seen the Assault on Precinct Thirteen? Not the original. I believe I saw the remake that came out. Um, I don't know, ten fifteen years ago. Yeah, the re- too bad. Um, the original's like really great though, but it's like a um very gritty and like at the beginning just a little kid gets blown away so it's like it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the movie (laughs) um (laughs) um, but you know he was kept kept his budget low and was able to on assault on precinct 13 like turn a profit on it and uh kind of got noticed by uh so there's there's two producers that that are kind of 
the the impetus for for Halloween getting made. There's Erwin Yablins who um, is starting up a indie studio, but he's kind of looking to distribute to the majors, and he just comes up with a movie, an idea for a horror movie called The Babysitter Murders, and that's what he comes to, to Carpenter with. Hey, uh, I also found this guy Mustafa Akkad who made the movie The Messenger, and basically I told him that I could make your whole movie for what he spent on a day in that movie and got $300,000 to make this movie. Akkad comes up with the idea to set it all on one night and call it Halloween. Um, and he and yeah, it's, good idea. It, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's like, it's, there's a reason that like all the slashers, all the iconic ones generally have some sort of like date or event <laughs> associated with them to build around. Um, but, uh, he writes this with his uh, girlfriend at the time, Deborah Hill, who he, he would go on to keep working with, like after their romantic relationship had ended. Um, Carpenter basically writes uh, the all the Michael Myers and Dr. Luma stuff, and Hill writes all the Lori and her friend stuff. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I think it they kind of play to their strengths in that way. And uh, Carpenter drew from like Psycho, Jalo. Um, I mean, he really drew from Psycho because he cast the Janet Lee's daughter. <laughs> uh, true. <laughs> Not his first choice. His first choice was the daughter of the woman from Lassie. He didn't know her name. He just knew he wanted to cast the daughter of the woman from Lassie. <laughs> <laughs> this guy rules. <laughs> um, but I, I, it's it's so great to like listening to him talk about like writing movies or doing the composings. He's famous for the scores he writes. Um, basically, only does that shit because he doesn't want to like use that money in the budget, and he can do it. <laughs> Hates it. <laughs> this guy has a very distinct way of coming to work <laughs> on a film interview quote with him and it's like um somebody asking him do you miss the your early low budget days of um dark star and halloween and his response was well i i don't w miss waking up in the morning <laughs> fair but he was actually super smart with this one because he took a you know very low pay and uh to stretch that budget as far as he could, but he took a 10% stake in it. So, um, you know, credit, credit to John Carpenter who also put his name above the title. <laughs> it's your boy. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, it almost sounds like it, I, I was going to say, it sounds like he believed in what he was doing, but everything else about this sounds like he doesn't believe in what he's doing and is only there for a big, a, a very business-like approach to this stuff. I, I think part of it's also like a little bit of an act. Like, I think he does, especially early on, I think he does care quite a bit. Like, you can't, he has a string of movies, like, basically everything he does in the 70s and 80s, all of it's fucking great. And it's like, this, like, 13 movie, or 11 to 13 movie streak that's just, like, no duds. Like, that's, that's, that's a pretty impressive Right, thing. that I, can't really be an accident. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the... The story I saw that because famously it was passed on by all the studios. They they but they, they had enough connection where they actually get it into like regular theaters. Um and that the studio execs who came out 
and and loved the movie they saw said that when it came to them it didn't have the score on it it was just it was all done basically except for that and they're like oh this is a completely different movie <laughs> they're just like white noise <laughs> well, like, like, they... <laughs> um but yeah this uh this did very well and you know it, it, you know speaking of that iconic intro to this this Mike Myers movie we just got to listen to a little bit of it man it just spooks you out doesn't it yeah i mean the dude's a genius for coming up with this uh just uh yeah just another tie to mike myers in this podcast (laughs) can't get away from (laughs) yeah sorry folks if this is your first time tuning in we will take any opportunity to talk about Mike Mike Myers, the comedic actor from Saturday Night Live and Austin Powers. And from this movie. <laughs> um, we got a couple other, not, not just John Carpenter in this one. This is Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, introducing credit, even though she was on a, like a kid's show before this. Um, JLC, who's like, Kind of have the, has the blessing and the curse of just, like, always looking 35. <laughs> I was going to say, she looks in this movie the same as she looks now and sounds the same way, too, which is, is just weird. <laughs> and she's, like, by far the youngest of, of, like, that friend group. Like, she's 19 in real life, and uh, Nancy Loomis and, and PJ Souls are, like, in their mid to late 20s. <laughs> Uh, PJ Souls also in Carrie, like married to Dennis Quaid at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, I fucking love Jamie Lee Curtis though. She is she's a- another person who just like seems like she has absolute zero chill and is just like drops truth bombs left and right, and everybody gets on her nerves. Just both barrels. <laughs> oh yeah, I um, I've I've seen like stories and stuff of her like like recently going out with her kids to like conventions dressed in cosplay and stuff like that. Oh yeah. They're, they're, uh, she's married to Christopher guest and, and her, her, her whole family is huge, like fighting game fans. They go to like all these like fighting game tournaments dressed in, in, in costume. Like That's she was Vega and Christopher guest is Dr. B from Tekken. That's so. wild. Deep cut too. Like Dr. B. Dr. B. On. Yeah. That, that's not a, he's not on the cover. <laughs> You have to actually know the game to know Dr. B. <laughs> but she doesn't get top billing. No, uh, top billing goes to Donald Pleasance. He's the, he makes the most money out of the budget in this movie. Um, He's in what, like five scenes? <laughs> oh, but they're good scenes. <laughs> they're all right. They're good. <laughs> the, he he shows up again in, uh, in four more sequels. Uh this is probably his most restrained performance, which is telling you something. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, he's, you know, already ready to just ice this 21-year-old kid. kid. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, comes, he comes out swinging hard when we first meet him in the, uh, the car ride up to the asylum, uh, where he's talking to the nurse that he's with. And he continually refers to Michael Myers as it, <laughs> not him. <laughs> Saying don't stuff like I him? don't, yeah, I don't ever want him to get out. 
<laughs> That's calling, the idea. <laughs> calling him the evil. <laughs> real good doctor. Real, real great. <laughs> um, so this was originally offered to both Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, who both passed. Um, that would Peter have been a Co- completely different movie with Christopher <laughs> Lee in there, at least, for sure. Well, Peter Cushing, this is like fresh off Star Wars. And he's just like, I want, I'm a Star Wars actor and I want Star Wars money. <laughs> I'm assuming that didn't fly with Mr. Carpenter. <laughs> oh, no. So, well, no, thanks. We'll keep looking. Um, Christopher Lee has said that it's his, it, uh, it was the dumbest move of his career not to take this movie, which. Yeah, uh, hindsight. <laughs> um, so. I think before we get into like just like the, the plot and go through, we'll probably end up going like beat, beat by beat at some point. But um, you you have seen this before, right? This wasn't the first time. Yeah, no, it. it's it's been years, like probably since high schoolish times that I saw this to begin with. But yes, I have seen this before. Yeah. Um, is it did it play out sort of like you remember? Is there is, was there stuff that just kind of jumped out to you from um, a revisit? You know, a a lot of this felt like watching it for the first time the only thing i really remember is that there were two houses that like all the action kind of took place at and neither of them were the actual myers home <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah there's the two the two houses that they're babysitting at the the, the wallace house and the, the doyle house um yeah i i think a lot of people remember the the third act of this movie, if they, it's been a while since they've seen it, they remember that like just all that suspense. I think especially Annie's death and and the, the final girl stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people remember some of the like stalking stuff at the beginning, like him in the sheets or him by the bush or whatever. Right. Um, I think what they what a lot of people don't remember is like that he eats a dog and that he like drives around for a long time. <laughs> yeah, he's doing pretty good behind the wheel of that car for being in jail since he was what five. Six. <laughs> they give it the hand wave. They give it the uh, Loomis <laughs> talking. Someone must have taught him how to in in the facility. He's <laughs> talking to somebody, and he's like, hey, "This is how you drive a car." <laughs> hey, no way he got no way he got practical experience. <laughs> um, if you really want to see one of the sequels that just like hangs the lampshade on this. Um, watch Halloween five. Cause I would argue that it's his, his primary weapon and primary five in, in, in Halloween five is the, is the, the car that he steals at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I mean, well, I honestly, you know, I can't say too much. Michael Myers could just be, you know, in the cut from the same cloth as say like a stone cold Steve Austin who never met a vehicle he couldn't drive. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I love just the, uh, I guess the novelization of it says that he learned to drive by um, just ob- observing as he was being taken to like hearings and stuff. But again, like, I don't know. I, I watched people drive my entire childhood, but like I got behind the wheel for the first time and still just fucking goosed it in a parking lot. Like, you know, <laughs> like... <laughs> right. You think there'd be a little bit more hands on <laughs> to really get that under control. But but Carpenter doesn't really care about that shit. Carpenter's yeah. just like, I've got 90 minutes of movie to fill. <laughs> and plot's real simple. We're going to get you from point A to point B. 
let's 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 just jump right in. Um, did you notice when he um, attacks the nurse in the car that he's got the um, one of the low budget things on this is he's got a, a wrench hidden in the palm of his hand so he can break the window. <laughs> I, I thought it was a rock or something. I did notice that his hand looked uh, strange when he hit the wind, window. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, so just coming back to it, it's, it, I, I, it's interesting because I, I feel like this one's one that um, people kind of lose track of some of those like strange details in it. The um, just just how much of it is that Hitchcockian you see this guy in the foreground or, or moving around this group and everybody's just oblivious to him. Yeah. Like <laughs> early on, every time you see uh, the group of girls like walking around, the camera is really set up like almost like a stalker. Like it's walk watching them from afar. And I mean, you, you get the, the Michael Myers, like you said, peeking from around a bush or standing in the sheets uh, out to dry. Um, but they really do set up that whole, um, they're being watched very early on. Yeah, and I think that's that's sort of what makes um, – I, I feel like the later movies sort of lose the thread with Laurie a little bit. And I get where they want to kind of come from, and they kind of turn her into like a little bit of like a Ripley, like a badass. Yeah. Um, but I think in, in the original Halloween, she's like – what saves her is that she's just like anxious and aware of shit. Like <laughs> she's, she's the one who's not occupied with boys or um, – which Hill, Hill and Carpenter have, have said that they regret coding her as a virgin because of what that did to her like, going forward. But I, I would say like there were parts where like, even if she was saying, Oh, you know, you guys go have fun. Sure. I'll watch this kid while you go get later, whatever. Um, it kind of seemed like she had a little bit of, Oh, you fuckers. <laughs> Just leaving me out of all this fun stuff that you guys get to do. Sure, I'll, I'll watch all the kids. It's great. And just kind of, you know, there was like a little bit of staring across the street like, hmm, I'm the only one left out all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 high school friends. I think they're kind of realistically shitty to each other. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I had a question. Um that I don't know if we, we want to get into later on, but I'll bring it up now anyway, is I thought that there was some sort of actual connection between Laurie and Michael, but that does not seem to be the case, at least not yeah. really visibly explored in this movie. No. <laughs> um, that's, that's not a plot point until Halloween 2, although I, I guess technically it's a, it's introduced... Uh, they, they aired this on TV before Halloween 2 came out, and they had to... It's a mostly bloodless movie, so they were able to actually put like almost all of it on TV. But mm-hmm. um, to fill some of the time, they recorded a few extra scenes, and one of them is the um, is Loomis discovering that uh, Michael has another sister, um, which uh, I, I really don't like. That I, I think the the new ones drop that 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 their brother and sister, and I think that it's for the better because I. I really think Michael Myers works a lot better as just the guy who goes after somebody because they dropped a key off at his house. Like there's not really a method to it. There's not a reason why like the later ones get into like motive and stuff for him. And I don't. Yeah. I, I kind of was under the impression that it was, he was doing what he was doing almost like to 
finish off his family like that. He kind of was coming back and there was something going on that made him want to kill his family. But like yeah. even even at the beginning of this one, like he kills his sister. But he yeah. doesn't attempt to do anything to his parents when they find him outside with a knife. No, it, it, I think that's the, one of the scariest things that they like. I think none of the other Halloweens get is that part of what makes Michael Myers so fucking terrifying is that it's not he's not a Jason. He's not just killing everybody that he sees like he he kind of picks people <laughs> and yeah. and and fucks with them. Um, I, I that, that was actually something I was going to get. I don't know if um, so we've done a lot of these like horror icons now there's a few of them we haven't hit yet do you have do you have a favorite yet of like the the, the franchise guys that we've done i kind of have a guess of what it'll be but but surprise me um this may be a surprise okay. i like even though i don't really like the movie so far i like jason yeah yeah jason's fucking great yeah uh, as, a, as a character <laughs> as a as a horror icon i think he's phenomenal yeah. i will say um that i kind of like kind of the origin stuff that we get here for for uh michael myers a little yeah. bit more um, because it is kind of vague and mysterious like with jason you have oh he's he has a de- like a definitive reason for why he's doing what he's doing but for here it's just like yeah this, there's nothing this kid just kind of went blank one day and that's it we don't know why he's doing what he's doing yeah and it's um i mean he does he, i one of the things i love about this is that John Carpenter, he had like several different actors play Michael Myers in this or referred to in the script as the shape at at a certain point. He stops being a person and he's just a force of evil out in the world. The shape. Sure. Um, but like the the primary guy he had playing uh, playing uh, the shape was was Nick Castle, who was a good friend of his and also would go on to make like the last starfighter and, you know, was a, so we have a, an outdoor Michael for a lot of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he asked for like direction and they would ask for direction and Carpenter's direction was just like, you're here and you go over there. Like there's no, there's no f- motive for you. There's no, <laughs> there's right. no it's, thought. It's not, behind it's not emotional. It's not, there's not passion driving or anything. You're just almost like an automaton. You're programmed. You're just playing out a program. Or a, just a, a a force of nature. It's like a or a force of like just pervasive corrupting evil in the world. That's <laughs> inescapable. Um, I, and I think this movie just God it nails that so fucking well. Like it's um, but it also makes him. It kind of roots him in the real world. It doesn't mythologize him as much as some of the later movies that do, where he's like, yeah, he has that moment where he picks up Bob with one hand and pins him to the wall. Mm-hmm. But he still has to like eat and he's still driving around and he's like, <laughs> you know, um, I, when they get the mask off, you know, he's hurt. So people, some people think he's like deformed because of that, but he's just, he's just a guy. He's just yeah. this, this, you know, 21 year old kid um, out doing this. And I, I, I find that stuff just, just how it walks that line. Like, no, I, I, I there's something to the idea that you don't have to be like a supernatural force to do terrible things. But there's also sort of this edge to him that can shrug off six shots and disappear into, into breath at the end. Uh, or that can lift up Bob with the one hand that right. it's, it's there, but it's not, 
it's not the thing. It's not like Jason where he's like fucking crushing people's heads and stuff all the time and punching through walls. Like, yeah, he does. He punches through that door and through the closet, but it's like. Well, that closet is pretty fucking flimsy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't take Superman. But it's funny because like this is my favorite like slasher, maybe just even franchise movie, like kind of period. But I also love Jason. And I think that the, the secret behind I kind of was thinking a bit about it is that a lot of the later Halloween movies are fucking stupid and the original isn't. And Jason's advantage is that Jason's always been stupid. So like, it's, I mean, OK, <laughs> but no, I, I, I think it's like part of why all the other Halloween movies just feel so deflating to me is I feel like this is a movie with like a vision and a message and the other ones are sort of like, why was he doing all that? Let's, we, there's got to be a reason for that. And it's like, no, there, there, there doesn't. There, it's, it's fine. Like, Stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> um, um, there's a couple other like uh, aces up the sleeve for this movie too. The um, one of his USC buddies is Dean Cundy, the cinematographer of this movie. Um, who would go on to work with like Zemeckis and Spielberg and basically like every huge movie of the eighties and nineties. Um, so this movie looks fucking great. It <laughs> it is. <pretty> good. <laughs> it's, it's lit phenomenally well. It's dark because they didn't have a lot of money for lights, but the, the money they had was well spent. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that, that iconic shot of um, Michael appearing in the darkness Done oh, with yeah, the dimmers. Just, just coming out of the uh, coming out of the doorway <laughs> right behind her. Yeah, just just the dimmer switch. He's he's there, and they just slowly crank that up so the face appears. <laughs> That's actually very clever. I I wondered how they managed to pull that off while I was watching it. Yeah, it's 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 phenomenal, and there's just there's so many like um cool like depth of field and 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 uh, perspective tricks in this movie where you've got like Michael foregrounded or backgrounded. <laughs> as the other characters are, are going about their their business and it's it adds to that dread it's it's really good um but yeah i don't know the, the so you uh were you kind of expecting there to be that family twist coming at some point were you like waiting for that and like surprise I mean, a little out? bit because like i said I've, I've seen the movie before but like again this kind of felt fresh to me because it's been such a long time, but just kind of knowing that there was that angle floating around in some of the other movies, even even if I haven't seen them, I was kind of surprised. I was like, well, I mean, was she like adopted or something? Because Laurie Stroh, she seems to have a a family life out. (laughs) The Myers have left the town, apparently Um, (laughs) all of them alive, except for the, the sister. I, I, I couldn't really see where that angle would have come in at here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um, I, I think it's, it's odd that people have are like, well, you know, if you don't have that sister angle, like why, why is he going after Lori and why is he going after? It's like, cause they came to his house. He was eating a dog at his house and somebody yeah. dropped a key off. Like that's it. <laughs> they they interrupted not- that meal. <laughs> <laughs> it's like getting a phone call while you're having dinner. Which, like, you know, again, one of my barometers for, like, the uh, 
intensity of a, of a horror movie, the stakes of a horror movie is whether they kill the dog or not. Michael kills two dogs. He, he does. Them. He, uh, what, he strangles one or snaps it. I'm not sure what he does. He gives it a hug. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what he does in real life. He's just, he's just holding the dog and, and petting it. Cause you'll only see the dog's legs and his legs. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, uh, so speaking of like, just the, like the suspense, like, did, did you remember how long, how fucking drawn out Annie's death is? Was that catching you off guard at all? <laughs> no, like, um, like I said, aside from the fact that it took place in two houses, a lot of this was, com- felt completely like I hadn't seen yeah. it before at all. Um, it did seem like they they really took their time with it, with, with her getting stuck in the laundry shed. <laughs> she gets stuck in the window. She's like, he's fucking with her, like, outside the window in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, she crosses the street with Lindsay, and, like, he's there the whole time. You keep seeing him. <laughs> yeah, the boogeyman. He's yeah. popping up. <laughs> and they um, just, just, I, is he edging? I'm not sure. <laughs> Kind of. He's he's enjoying like fucking with. He's like knocking the plant down and stuff. He's trying to get her attention. And... I don't know if he did that on purpose. I think he, he was a little surprised when that happened. <laughs> he might have I... a little. <laughs> um, I like the idea of having a a murderous psychopath who's just like constantly scared of all the shit that go like anything that goes wrong. Just, ah! <laughs> scared of his own shadow <laughs> well i mean there might be some sort of i think psychologically his whole like mask fixation that might be like something too yeah. where it's 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 he's kind of othering himself he's and that's part of how Lori's able to get away from him and defeat him is to take the mask off and he's got to pull it back down because he can't he can't be michael myers anymore he has to be the shape right yeah, because he does. He does the. He picks up the clown mask at the very beginning before he kills his sister. Yeah, I, I mean, there's not a lot to hang your hat on, but there's there's a few things. Um, I w- one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about, which I mean, maybe it seems like after hearing you know all your stories about John Car- Carpenter so far, maybe there's nothing really here. But um, early on, there's a scene where Lori's in class and she sees Michael outside. But they're having a discussion of fate, and I yes. thought that maybe that would tie into the movie a little bit more. Like, there's like, oh, this is going to be like a theme or something that we need to discuss. But I'm I'm not really sure that it does. Well, I think what they're talking about is like destiny and and, and inevitability. It's like this. Um, and I, I think the I don't even think these are real writers that they're talking about. There's like Samuels and Costain or whatever. Right. Um, they don't seem to match up with anything, but they. Are, I, I think he is hitting something here. I think he's hitting on this idea, the, the the subtextual thing that's happening in Halloween that I that I love is that it's a kind of also about piercing the veil of um, kind of safe suburban existence or um, this idea that like as a society we've kind of civilized and tamed evil or it's not going to intrude on our lives if we're nice enough. Yeah, I, I can see that because there are numerous examples of, you know, the safe suburbi, suburban lifestyle. You know, 
Everyone's got windows open. There are no locked doors or even many closed doors <laughs> on any of these houses. Yeah, um, yeah. At one point, you know, we, butter gets spilled because they're making popcorn and just all the clothes off in the middle of the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> with the with the windows wide open, yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's also the, there's the flip side of that where – Annie, as she's getting killed, is honking the car in a in a crowded neighborhood. And, and no, no, nothing there's happens. even even more striking example of that after Lori yeah. has her first example and she goes running to the neighbors screaming, help me, help me, help me. And they just shut the blinds and turn off the lights. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think all that ties into this idea that Carpenter has that there's. I think Carpenter's somebody who's a little bit like Stephen King. We've talked about it before. Like the, um, it kind of has this idea of that there are forces of evil in the world. That there, he he saw a boy. He he volunteered in a psychiatric institution and saw a boy that he thought was just evil. Which I don't know. Like it's I I think it's also hard to tell. Like <laughs> if somebody's been institutionalized right. their whole that's, life, like what's that's reaction a big to that? To lay on somebody. <laughs> But it was, it's kind of, that's kind of the nugget of this idea. And I think yeah. that there are, you know, if you, if, I'm not a big true crime person, but there are like, you know, people that you kind of read about that have these sociopathic or just uh, te- in, tendencies to harm where it just, it seems like there's kind of nothing. Right. But you can't there. read it. <laughs> if, if given a chance, they'll do this again. Yeah, and I I think this is sort of where this destiny and fate stuff comes in is that um, as much as we want to shelter ourselves from this, like we we may have a moment <laughs> that is going to define us or that we are going to come up against um, this darkness, this this unrelenting horror, <laughs> and, and you know how how Lori's able to confront it. And I think that's again kind of that idea of why Lori is the is the survivor and the final girl over over Annie or Linda is that she's not preoccupied and she's not she's like aware of danger and um yeah she's got her head on a swivel yeah yeah uh, <laughs> gonna I, I do, you. <laughs> gonna get you gonna get you uh I I one of my favorite Lori character moments it <laughs> and kind of what sells me on Jamie Lee's performance in this movie is when she's uh, she's seen the shape a couple times, but she hasn't really sunk in yet that she's in danger. It's Halloween. It's just like a guy in a mask. Mm-hmm. You know, she, th- these movies don't exist, so why would she be scared of that? Right. <laughs> um, it's it's weird, but it's like oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm in suburbia. What could happen? But she has this moment where she like thinks she sees him, but what she's actually seeing is trick or treaters. And she starts talking to herself like, well, kid, <laughs> just like a, such a goober way of like addressing yourself. <laughs> it's like, OK, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I, I say dumb shit to myself all the time. It's great. <laughs> yeah, no, it, de- it definitely uh, humanizes her. It makes her yeah. relatable. <laughs> I do voices who are for no one. Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I think I think all that stuff's really good. But then we've got so let's let's talk a, let's let's beeline because this is a very simple plot. It's it's Michael Myers, six year old POV, kills off his sister, uh, comes outside with a knife, and you find out it's a little 
Mikey Myers, who's been the murderer you've been, whose eyes you've been behind this whole time. Right. Um, that's kind of a big, uh, a big swing right at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that long, um, panic glide flex of, of like going from outside the house or, and looking through the window and coming yeah. in through the, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, uh, it's a big just, move. And then just seeing that it is a child who did this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, what I kind of love about it is I, I think a lot of the movies that come in its wake, um, they see the POV like that and they're like, oh, it's a, it's like a mystery move. Like you, you do the like shallow movies do this too. It's probably where he kind of got this idea from, um, where you're seeing stuff from the killer's point of view to, to hide the identity of the killer. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he just fucking flips the camera around and is just like, oh, it's a little kid. It's not that kind of movie. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's bold. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's it's yeah it's it's uh it's pretty great and then the introduction of of uh dr loomis uh, they're they're transferring him on halloween as you do with the michael myers he's he's never not been transferred <laughs> on halloween i mean you can't break tradition every time <laughs> <laughs> we, well we wish we could change it but it's annualized and it it, ha- it falls on this day and it just so happened that that's when the paperwork went through i mean <laughs> What are you going to do? <laughs> um, but he breaks out and you get a little bit of exposition here of, of Loomis doing the whole. I, I love that, like, Loomis is his doctor, but I think really what Loomis's role is, is he's he's Michael's hype man. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good, good, uh, a good spot to put him in. <laughs> he's just like kicking down the, the door to the police station like this motherfucker right here. Oh, you ready to fuck with this motherfucker? <laughs> Pure evil. I don't hear you, Haddonfield. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but if we didn't have something like this, like, you know, other than the murders, how will we know how bad of a guy he is? <laughs> but I think that Loomis and, and to an extent the score kind of elevated a little bit to that mythical kind of supernatural realm because Loomis doesn't talk about Michael Myers as an escaped mental patient. He talks about him as like a a dog that needs to be put down. Like I, if I would kill this kid if they let if like I could get away with it. Yeah, he he definitely uh he definitely is not on the on the bandwagon of uh, getting this guy some help. <laughs> I met him fifteen years ago. I was told there was nothing left, no reason, no conscience, no understanding, even the most rudimentary sense of life or death. Good or evil, right or wrong. <laughs> yeah, basically, he's like, I talked to him for a little bit, and uh, fuck that kid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he spent he spent seven years trying to get through to him, and then and then he, that kid hit puberty, and he was just like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> this will not do. What if what if that was why Doctor Loomis like snapped is that he like found out like Michael jerked off one day or something like this stain upon humanity. <laughs> we just he saw him at the urinal one day and he's like no yeah, no <laughs> no patient of mine. <laughs> Loomis is parked in the in the handicap spot by the way and like I I know not all disabilities are visible but I think Loomis is just a fucking asshole. <laughs> He's got important news to impart to the police. <laughs> I had mentioned earlier that I, I did want to just touch on this briefly that the, the intro of the the pumpkin getting zoomed in on. I'm I'm assuming you picked up on the Easter egg of the um 
the shape of the mask and the knife as the nose. Yes. Yeah. Pretty, pretty awesome. Pretty iconic. Um, pretty good. <laughs> um, did you, do you want to hear a little bit of um, when they, Dr. Loomis goes into a little bit more detail in, in a later movie about Mike Myers? Hit me. Very well. Where do I begin? His father was a relentlessly self-improving boulangerie owner from Belgium with low-grade narcolepsy, a penchant for buggery. <laughs> His mother was a 15-year-old French prostitute named Chloe with webbed feet. <laughs> gotcha! Zing! <laughs> like he invented the question mark. Um, I... I love that this movie is so fucking terrifying and the suspense is so good that when both of Lori's friends get killed and they go cross-eyed, it doesn't break. It doesn't break the scariness. I'll, I'll tell you how scary it was. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> I, I love that it's both of them. Like I, I think one of them, like you'd be like, okay, that's that's maybe like a weird. They, this is the only take, and that was just like a weird actress choice or something. Both of them's just like tells me that Carpenter's just over there smoking like <laughs> go, go, go can you go cross eyed okay <laughs> or too- or you know, the first one the first day the first day they did that shoot uh, the other actress was on the set and she's like fuck that's a good idea <laughs> she saw the first guy make a choice and she's like I'm gonna take it <laughs> so. So Michael steals a car. He escapes. He, uh, you know, almost kills the the, the nurse and uh, comes back. To Does Haddonfield. he though? Because it really just seems like he's giving her a scalp massage. <laughs> well, if you want to see worse things happen to this actress in a car window, I recommend Halloween Kills, <laughs> the newest Halloween movie. Right. <laughs> um, a lot, of, a lot of, a lot of throwbacks in a movie that's trying to like do its own thing but i digress um but the uh he kills somebody along the way that, that and steals the jumpsuit he breaks into the the hardware store and steals the mask and some uh some rope why did they have that fucking mask charlie bronson why did they have a mask in the hardware store <laughs> because kids love dressing up like captain kirk for halloween mm, mm. yeah i heard the police were talking about he stole a some rope and some knives and a mask. Do we ever see the rope? I think maybe that's how he does the whole, cause he does the whole um, Jason Voorhees spring loaded bodies thing. I think maybe that that's the project, the fun project he's putting together so like in the, that room. You're telling me that the only board game they had in the asylum was mousetrap. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he 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 focuses in on both Lori and Tommy because he 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 stalks Tommy at school too. Um, the Tommy's the boy that Lori is uh, habitually babysitting. Um, Lori's friends Annie and Linda both a little a little boy crazy. Annie's the one who likes to pretend she's not boy crazy, um, but is. <laughs> um, yeah, why did he stalk the little boy? That's what I want to know. He was there. He was there when she dropped off the key. So he had designs on killing that kid too, you think? Yeah, most likely. Or uh, you know, at least just interested in what he was up to. Wanted to wanted to check out Tarantula Man and Later Man <laughs> later on with him, maybe. Neutron Man. <laughs> A lot of man comics. Um. 
so yeah, he he stalks them throughout like town. Lori's the only one who really kind of picks up on it. Um, and uh, that night, uh, Annie's babysitting Lindsay in one house, and and uh, Lori is babysitting Tommy in another house. Uh, and as Annie's being stalked, she's also making plans to go to her boyfriend Paul's house. So when she goes to leave and ends up getting killed by Michael, it's kind of a convenient excuse as to, you know, why she's not there and nobody would suspect anything. But mm-hmm. Linda and her boyfriend, Bob, come and uh, make some real casual plans to rope in an eight-year-old girl into their whatever fucking sex games they're planning, which is a bold choice, John. Bold. <laughs> well, Hollywood's full of pedophiles, you know. <laughs> I shouldn't joke because it may be true. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I laugh at things that terrify me as, as much as the things that, that uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, Michael ends up killing off Linda and Bob. Uh, get, gets a little phone time with Lori um, as, as Linda calls her as she's being strangled. And Michael's just standing there with the phone receiver. Pretty, pretty great. I'm trying to love. Because it's like, not bad. <laughs> but eventually she like gets curious because she hasn't heard back from from either of them and she's now watching Lindsay and as well as Tommy and um so Lindsay is played by Kyle Richards. Do you know who that is? I think, I think the name sounds a little familiar but no. Um she is a real housewife and not just any real housewife. Um you know the meme with the the crying woman pointing at the cat. I, she's I, she, you? she's the she's the woman holding she's her the back. cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Beverly Hills plastic surgery <laughs> turned herself into a cat. I've seen weirder things. <laughs> but no, that that is that is her forever <laughs> forever now immortalized as the woman holding back the woman who's angry at a cat. Quite a career. Quite a career. <laughs> She's also in Halloween Kills. She's perfectly fine in that movie. She's perfectly fine in this movie. Um, <laughs> what do you expect from her? <laughs> she's. It's a little funny to see her in Halloween Kills because, like, she's still in the in small town Haddonfield, Illinois, and like all the other characters are sort of like presented as being like very blue collar, like uh, you know, hardworking small town folks, and and she's mixed in there with them, and it's like they put her in some flannel, but she's still like. A, you know, a, a multi-millionaire trophy wife. <laughs> she, she doesn't quite have the same look and vibe. I can't teach that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we get kind of our extended final girl sequence here where, uh, you know, Lori thinks she's taken out Michael like three times and, uh, you know, it has sent the kids out. Loomis has kind of figured out that Michael's in the neighborhood, so he's on the what? hunt. Well, I I gotta I gotta say something about Loomis here. Yeah. What a useless fuck. <laughs> what do you he mean? Has, he blasts him. He blasts Michael. He has medicine gun. He has nothing. I if I were the police in this town, I would not give him any amount of credit credibility whatsoever. <laughs> he has he has no evidence. He has no proof that this is going on. Um, I love Loomis. <laughs> this is the part that really threw me for a loop. Is how long would you say he was at the Myers house waiting for Michael to come back, just standing outside for some reason? 
Oh yeah, for for a couple hours. This but this is the happiest you see Loomis in any of these movies, by the way, scaring the shit out of a kid. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. What a piece of shit. <laughs> well and then and then he's he's here for as you say, he's here for several hours. Doesn't think to turn his head to the left to see the car that he <laughs> was was driving in when Michael Myers stole it. And how did they not see that car when they pulled up to the house to begin with? <laughs> did you notice that he drives by the, the hardware store? When, I did when notice first that. Gets there? Yeah, I can understand that because he was, you know, he was facing waiting the for way, the police yeah. officer facing the other direction. But come on, you're telling me the whole time he didn't, he was specifically looking for this guy to come back. He didn't look around? <laughs> was he just staring at the door, waiting? <laughs> he has the most cataract eyes. Devil's eyes. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, this this final girl sequence where um, she well she she gets away from him in the first house, gets in inside to protect Tommy and and Lindsay sends them upstairs. Has the competition in the living room where he misses a stab and she stabs him in the neck with a knitting needle. Right. Um, the first of. Does, uh, does... Several times as she just throws weapons on the ground. Does Mike does Mike need glasses? Because <laughs> he, he whips a couple stabs at her. <laughs> Both times she's completely unaware, unprepared, defenseless. I think that last one, he maybe has some depth perception issues going on. Um, oh, yeah, I, his... I guess he did get stabbed in the eye. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, he gets uh, he gets he gets stabbed in the eye with a coat hanger. Um, the the you know she does all the 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 clever move of trying I, at least. I do I love that she jumps out the window. <laughs> I do love he sells that hanger to the eye like a Ric Flair eye poke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then he starts selling like the Undertaker. Uh, <laughs> just fucking great great shot by the way of the uh of lori crying in the foreground and recovering and in the background michael doing the the sit-up yeah yeah it's good yeah we, we we've got there's a lot of the a lot of the big slasher moves get established here the the, the head tilt as he's as he's checking out bob's body that he's pinned on the wall um yeah. i mean i know that's like a thing that he does and like it's like an iconic thing that he does but I think he overdoes it in that scene. <laughs> it's just back and forth like a metronome. I, I, I do like how he kills Linda wearing the sheet. And he's got the Bob's glasses on over the sheet as the what Halloween a, costume. What a character. <laughs> but it also, like, think about it. Linda at no point doesn't know that it's Bob. <laughs> it's she true. She just yeah. got fucking murked by like the dude she just had sex with but let's talk about that sex for a minute <laughs> totally <laughs> <laughs> that whole three seconds that was terrific <laughs> hey you know if, I, if i'm done in three seconds more more time for me to do other shit right <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly the mindset you want to have i think <laughs> and we wonder why we're single oh wait no i'm not <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I'm the Usain Bolt of sex. I mean, I'm, I'm very... <laughs> I'm, I can't argue with the gold medalist. <laughs> um, but the 
Loomis does show up finally after she's attacked and, and just blasts him, uh, which you will hear in, in Halloween 2 when we end up getting Halloween 2. Six times! <laughs> <laughs> You're spoiling things. <laughs> just one of my favorite Loomis stories from this, from this series. Um, but they go to check where the, where the body has fallen because he shoots him out the window and Michael's not there. And this is like, again, the, the, they show all the locations from around those two houses in, in Haddonfield. You just hear the, the breathing as, as he could be anywhere. He's, he, right. this, this force of evil is, is out there. It's. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, that's, it's a pretty good, uh, closing moment. Yeah, and I, I I love, and I guess this was a Donald Pleasance thing too, where um, John Carpenter was like, okay, when you do this scene, like I want you to go over and see that he's there, and and you freak out because you know how could this be? And Pleasance came to him apparently and said like, you know what, like let's do it your way, but also let's do one where I just I knew this was gonna happen, <laughs> just fucking resigned. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Which, I think he had a pretty good read on the character at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Just a sad sack <laughs> trying his best and not getting anywhere. <laughs> John Carpenter, get your ass away from here. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently he, he took this role because his daughter liked Carpenter's music for assault on precinct 13. So, she she tipped him into doing it. That also might be like they ended up becoming friends and they did like another movie. They did Prince of Darkness together. So that might just be a little little ego massage from Donald Pleasance. Sure. <laughs> Which is nice. That's that's yeah. Nice. No, it's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I I I think this movie is. You know, I kind of talked about like the bedrocks of of, of modern horror. I, I think this is one that absolutely fucking changed the game. Like it just, um, I we kind of talked a little bit about it like with Carrie, but sort of like this getting away from horror about like diplomats and like people and you know uh, fancy socialites and high rises and putting it in small town and um, you know, where all these multiplexes are, are full that you're trying to pitch to. Right. Um, it's, it's, I think it's pretty fucking great. <laughs> um, and it changed what horror movies looked like for at least the next decade or two. So I, I don't, do you kind of see like the DNA of the stuff we've watched? No. Yeah. So far spring out of this, I was going to say, um, it's always difficult to watch um, a movie that's responsible for a lot of the things that you see now, like going back to it. If you, if you haven't seen it before, uh, because um, unless you know that this is where, like, this is like the generation of all those kind of tropey things that you've seen in, yeah. in, you know, however many movies down the road, how many years it's been. Uh, it's, it's hard to go back and say, Oh, this is this was good, even though you've probably seen the things that this thing is doing better since then. Does that make sense? Like, no, no I, I, you you yeah. kind of have to know that this is where that stuff came from in order to appreciate it. 
there's a lot of stuff I, I feel that way about, like going back to like, oh, like, you know, especially because like I, I took like film classes and stuff and I was like reading, I was a pretentious asshole. Like at the video store, it was like, oh, like the, the, this is the greatest film of 1919. I need to watch this. Where it's like, you know, where it's like maybe the first movie where they like edited <laughs> or they did like a montage or something. And right. The rest just you know 80 80 minutes of people like dancing about a stage and holding up cards like uh-huh. <laughs> that's what the action is um i think halloween is still real fucking effective, though like i think the um i think some of the lessons that other slasher movies took from it they just they didn't really do as well like i i i really like it, how much it, it's it's a short movie a real simple plot, but it also takes its time so often. It's it's very patient. It's not going for a body count. It's not going for gore. It's not going for. It's going for this unease. It's going for. Yeah, it's it's like a, it's like building a sense of like dread. Like you know it's coming. When is it coming? Yeah, it's just inevitability. It's this like um, it's it's. I think it does that. There's, there's, I, I'd be hard pressed to name like a, a straight slasher that does it better than Halloween does. I think that the lessons that even like the sequels to Halloween kind of took away from this is like just, oh, just make your killer like invulnerable and have like a and, and stack bodies like Corkwood, and that's, that's not what Halloween's doing. Like it's, it's kind of playing a little bit in that space of what Michael Myers really is, and it's like right. letting you, you know, it also. There's the whole thing where it turns the audience into the voyeur, but it, it it does. It's like it puts you it puts you sh- over the shoulder of Michael Myers as he's watching somebody. Basically, uh, yeah. <laughs> he keeps stepping into frame. Like you were you were talking about like the camera stalking them. Like so many of those scenes at the beginning of the movie end with like they have a conversation. The conversation ends and the the jumpsuit just comes into frame. <laughs> Right, he's like the the punctuation. <laughs> yeah. Or you don't have like a star wipe, you have a, a jumpsuit wipe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe we're like verging into like sales floor territory, but like I, I'm kind of curious as somebody who has stated before that there hasn't really been much that scared you in this in, in this endeavor we've done. Um, and I know this is a movie that you had seen a while ago, so maybe like there, it's not as fresh for you as something new. But like, did that stuff work for you? Like that? Did 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 you feel like some unease at the pacing and at just what well, the the suspense portions of it? Yeah, to I mean to a certain extent, uh, it, I think maybe it did lose a little bit because I had seen it before like I, yeah. I knew kind of where it was going i mean not that i didn't know where it was going anyway i'm watching fucking horror movies i know where they're going <laughs> <laughs> one cut of the dead <laughs> i mean yeah all right fine i'm not saying that i can't be surprised but that's not yeah. what this was about this wasn't supposed to be like a surprising thing yeah um, and i think there's like the, like you were kind of saying before like the that kind of how many times this movie has been imitated. 
Um, but I think they're really striking visuals that maybe lose some of their potency because everybody's doing like a version of it of, you know, Michael Myers in the sheets or behind the bush. Right. Um, that's kind of how I, how I felt watching this movie is, um, you know, I can, I can appreciate that it did this stuff first, but also it's been long enough and there's been enough, uh, copycats or twists or tweaks on these kind of formulaic things that it does lose a little bit of punch because I mean, this early on, it is kind of tame. And, and like you said, this movie is pretty bloodless. Yeah. Uh, Not to say there's not some brutal stuff in here, but it's, it's not like, it's not a gore fest or anything like that. Yeah. But I, I I think that's really intentional for a couple of reasons. I think it's intentional because, um, Carpenter's last movie played in grindhouses because he he front loaded an extremely violent child death up front. Uh-huh. So I, I can see him wanting to kind of flex a little bit in the other direction and, and towards suspense yeah. a little bit more. Um, because it, it, like most of Assault on Precinct 13 is not like that. I think that kind of some critics dismissed it because of that because they get hit in the face with this opening scene you have the most intense opening scene here you get a little bit of uh a nudity for a fair amount of it in this movie <laughs> yeah you have judith at the beginning and you have um uh, linda briefly well I, I guess annie's back you don't really see her front but um she like she does take her clothes off i i, I you know it, it it's it's not more than you'd see in a pg-13 movie with annie so Um, but yeah, I think that it's, um, this is a movie that was designed to be able to play in the multiplex. That's, that's, he's playing in some of the same space as like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but like it, it, it's not, I, I think it's sometimes people forget that, like, it's not like today where like Saw 5 can open everywhere. Like, you know, it's, there was kind of like a period where, those restrictions and stuff and, and what you could do in respectable movie houses, like died off a little bit. Meant like, something. <laughs> but like, if you wanted to go see Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you had to go see that at like the drive-in or at the, like at the, the theater in the weird part of town. Like it, you, you couldn't right. go down to the multiplex and see it. Um, you know, and we, I mean, we talked about when we watched that, that movie's yeah. fairly bloodless also. Uh, but I think there is a lot more, intensity in the kind yeah. of weirdness of that movie than there is here. Well, I, I, I don't think either movie is like super heightened reality, but I think that, that there is more Halloween feels more like a movie than Texas Chainsaw Massacre does. Texas Chainsaw sure. Massacre feels like you stumbled into a snuff film or something, or you stumbled, right. like it's, it feels more dangerous. It's definitely more grimy. Yeah. And, and that's, that's not really the case here. I mean, he's, Carpenter's a very accomplished filmmaker and you've got Dean Cundey's cinematography. So it feels like much more staged and artificial in some ways, like so sure. much so that like they filmed this in California, but it's meant to be Illinois, but it kind of, it's also named after a city in New Jersey. Like it's, it's, it's kind of supposed of to be an everywhere movie. It could, it could happen in your town. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's um, very intentional. It, it, so, because in California they don't lose the leaves on the tree in, Pas- in Pasadena, they had cut out paper leaves and painted them 
and we're just like any of the scenes where you see like autumn leaves falling they're just like fucking throwing them into a fan off, off stage just blowing wow. them. but they also like didn't want to do that for every scene so they would gather them all up and take them to the next scene <laughs> that's dedication <laughs> One of the people responsible for that, a, a young Robert England, the uh, future Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I mean, you gotta get your foot in the door. <laughs> the leaf guy on Halloween. Um, but yeah, I, I I think this movie, it's just, it, it's its greatest strength in some ways is just its simplicity. <laughs> and I, I think that it, it can play... It can it can play everywhere. It speaks to a, a universal fear that people have that they're not safe behind these walls and these pretenses they've built up. And it just executes. It keeps executing, and it has a score that's so goddamn good. <laughs> the score is very good. <laughs> I don't just, often often uh, comment on or even really pay a whole lot of attention to, but it's it's hard to deny what's going on yeah. here with the, uh, the sound and the music. He was, he was very influenced by um, tubular bells from, from exorcist. Um, mm-hmm. And also he, he had seen Suspiria the year before. <laughs> so uh, it, two, two good ones to look at. <laughs> but I think the, the, the soundtrack functions here in a similar way to Suspiria where it's very, it's not backgrounded. It is it is driving everything forward. You've got like the leap motifs for all your like main three characters. Um right. and it's it's propulsive and repetitive and um like just establishes <laughs> Yeah, it, it establishes a mood so well. It's it's yeah. you know, once again a little a little taste. Tires <laughs> on all cylinders. Um, but yeah, I, was there stuff, other stuff you wanted to kind of go back and get into, or are we, we kind of looking, we're looking at sales town. Um, no, I think we, I think we hit it most of everything I wanted to get in. Like you said, this is a pretty straightforward film. There's not a lot of twists going on here. It's a uh, little yeah. boy goes crazy, comes back 15 years later, still crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Finds the girl of his dreams. <laughs> and if these crazy kids can't make it work <laughs> yeah i mean it's, i'd watch it <laughs> um yeah we uh you know that's it, she almost gets stolen away by ben tramer and you know <laughs> michael I, she, myers has, she doesn't seem convinced by that one I, i'll just say <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's let's head on up to the sales floor i think i've kind of been Constantly making my, my, my pitch here, but I, again, I, I said in the last episode, like, I think my favorite subgenre of horror is the slasher. And I think Halloween is the best slasher and it's you know, arguably the first one. I can, you can kind of make the case that maybe psycho or Texas chainsaw or, you know, Baba's Bay of blood or whatever, um, is the first one. But I, I think this is where it's like crystallized and it becomes a thing that people like emulate. Right for a reason (laughs) maybe there were elements before but this kind of pulls all those pieces together and is kind of the blueprint for what you consider to be one of those movies 
Yeah, and I I, I think a, a big strength. I, I love a lot of the whodunit ones, like the, the first Friday the Thirteenth, and you know we did um, Happy Birthday to Me and mm-hmm. My Bloody Valentine's kind of a, a, a similar one too. But I think there's something just real primal and terrifying about just this singular focus. Just the character of Michael Myers is just such a such a, a momentous creation because it's it's that again that that blank that we can project onto it's this it's this like empty cipher of just something that will end you and there's no reason or emotion behind it it's just it's a thing that you are in the path of um right i i think it it as goofy as like the cross-eyed deaths and some of the michael myers like driving around and getting mad when when they insult him speed kills asshole uh (laughs) I, I, I forgive like all of that goofiness. It's a, it's, it's just, it's so of a piece and just everything. I, I, I think there's a movie that from the opening credits pulls you along and doesn't lose you. I think it, it's, it holds up on the 10th viewing as, as well as it does on the first. So um, I don't know if, where you're at on it, but I'm interested in hearing what your, your final judgments are. Um, all right, so we're on the sales floor. I will. I'll just go ahead and say right up top. Um, I this is a this is a sale for me. I'm, I'm buying this movie. Yeah. Um, it it like I was saying a little bit before, it is kind of something that you have to know <laughs> that it's it is uh you know instrumental in shaping the way these these things work, these movies work. Yeah. Um, to really appreciate some of the stuff that's there. Not that it's not well executed, like you said. I think they a lot of stuff that they do, they do really well. Um, it, it, it's a movie that feels bigger than its budget, but you can also tell it's a movie with a budget. <laughs> yeah. There's like, there's, there are very few locations. Um, the story is about as bare bones as it can get. And they don't throw a lot of wrinkles at you. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, so yeah, it's, this is, this is a movie that I'm buying. Um, I like, I think I, talked about this a little bit earlier i like the um kind of the mythology that they get into a little bit with with michael myers um and this kind of being an origin story uh com- compared to like uh jason Voorhees or a freddy krueger um i think you know right behind jason would be michael myers for me in terms of okay those type of characters um freddy's fun but you know <laughs> There's not, uh, I don't know, it doesn't, it, he feels more silly than dangerous, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really interested, in, I think at some point in the very near future, we will be doing like one of the scarier Nightmare on Elm Street movies. So um, I, I'm kind of interested in maybe if your perception shifts on, on him a little, because we've only done three so far, which I think he's right, kind of like right in the true. middle. He's kind of, he's still a little scary, but he's he's like also very jokey. He's just not kind of the like full on stand up comic from <laughs> some of the later. Right. But I mean, but that's series. that yeah. is kind of his his thing, though. Right. He's he's got yeah. the quips. He's like he's like the Spider-Man of slashers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if Spider-Man was like an implied child murdering pedophile. <laughs> I mean, sure. But I think it goes without saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like I like the. 
I like kind of the origin that they've got going on here. I like the the mystery that's there. Like they don't really give a whole lot away. They're just like, look, he's just a bad apple. He just went bad. We don't know what happened. And we don't know what's going to happen. Mom um, gave us some sour milk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I, I love this movie. I I don't know necessarily that I was particularly scared. I'm I'm starting to think that maybe like it's going to be difficult for a a horror movie, quote unquote, to actually yeah. scare me. It's going to have to be like I don't know that like a slasher or or I think it's going to have to be something more um intangible to really kind of get under my skin a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um yeah, I, that's it's good good to know. Um, okay, so, uh, we, we've got a, we've got a sale. Awesome. Um, so I've got a, I've got a crispy here and I think normally I kind of betray where, where these things are going. Um, we, we got some, I, I, I like most of the major performances in this movie. I like, uh, that, that Lori and all her friends are great. Uh, Dr. Loomis is great. Sheriff Brackett, we didn't really mention, but he's, it's a small part, but it's, uh, you know, he's, he does, he doesn't, I don't think it's crispy worthy. Yeah, but you know, every, everyone's entitled to to a good scare on Halloween. Um, but um, sorry, this is this is the devil's crispy. <laughs> <laughs> this has to go to 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 Donald Pleasance as as Doctor Loomis. I mean, that's just Harbinger of Doom, Michael Myers hype man. Uh, this just guy who's uh, on the verge of falling apart from being a doctor to this one little boy that he's just gave up on eight years ago. <laughs> like, was this his only patient you think? I, I, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really hope so. I am. Um, do, <laughs> do you think he, uh, um, subscribed to the scared straight <laughs> school of psychiatry where he, <laughs> If the kid didn't straighten up, he'd show him his gun. <laughs> this, I love that this is the second movie we've done now where, like, we've had the, you know, the, the, the doctor with the gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's part, part of my standard issue. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes a patient needs to take their medicine. Just use your stethoscope and your gun. Turn them <laughs> in. You're, you're a loose cannon. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's great. If you've, uh, my, my other, you know, favorite Pleasance performance, of course, is in the Mystery Science Theater 3000 classic Puma Man, or as he says it in that movie, Puma Man. Puma Man. <laughs> Love it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about our next time. Um, so we're going to do another, uh, kind of, low budget breakthrough hit this one we're gonna go a little international uh we're gonna head to barcelona and do do the found footage 2000s movie wreck wreck recall seeing this on the shelves at the movie store yeah yeah that's a pretty awesome found footage movie it'll be our our uh i, I guess second proper found footage movie or, or maybe first to exceed 60 minutes um 
really really looking forward to it. It's a, it's a super tightly executed, um, really fun hits hits the floor it hits the ground running and just uh doesn't really let up uh pretty pretty great flick i look forward to i actually haven't watched it in probably about a decade so uh maybe i'll eat my words and i'll think it's a real piece of shit when we, <laughs> we show it for next time but <laughs> like for now, young josh what the hell is your problem <laughs> i was doing a lot of drugs in the, in the 2010s man uh <laughs> um but yeah so we got that for for next time uh do you have uh, anything you wanted to shout out or recommend I, before we get into business? I don't side? have something I want to shout out so much as I, I kind of want to. I guess I got a little bit of a, a question. Like, so we've been doing this show for a little while. Yeah. Uh, we're what, like 40, 43, 44 episodes in or something like that? Something like that. There'll be a number next to the episode and I'll look at yeah, it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out when I put this together. It's uh, <laughs> So, at what fucking point am I not a noob anymore? <laughs> um well the, you write the intro so that is in your hands so <laughs> well you're i mean you're the expert though you got to know when that there's a tipping point right uh for 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 answers seek within uh, i'm not i'm not i'm not here to gatekeep jed you you were you were the you were the, the you were the at the level of horror aptitude that you think you were at that's bullshit <laughs> you better better off getting a fucking magic eight ball as my co-host. Well, well, tell you what, you can come to horror trivia with me, and if you, <laughs> if you help me place on the team, that's a that's a big fucking ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just fly out to Portland. <laughs> All right, I mean, I guess I gotta know where I stand <laughs> and, and the rankings. Um, you'd be better than some of the dumbass. No, I'm just saying. They're all lovely people. Um, Let it it out. (laughs) All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's let's do the old uh, business side here and and wrap up and wish everybody happy Halloween. Be on their way. Um, Reach out to us. uh, Twitter at Scream Selling Facebook group. We're getting trickle of folks coming on in. Always awesome to see new faces. Um, Sometimes like that aren't sex robots, but you know, I I I think I love sex robots. Yeah, I've, I've probably let a few through. Um, you just got to answer our, our, our two riddles. Uh, very very simple. Um, also, our email is uh, sellingthescream at gmail. Um, please, if you can, uh, it would mean so much to us if you could rate or review us on the uh, podcatcher of your choice. iTunes does drive the most traffic. Um, so if you can leave a, a, a nice review for us there if we've made your commute any easier. Um, it does look like here this, this ios man you think like after like almost two years of this that have this nailed down but um it looks like the bad reviews um they actually really want you to commit to it and you have to get it as a tramp stamp um so if you if you get that tramp stamp um everyone will know about your distaste for our free podcast and um you can... it's gonna be enough to get us taken off the air i just <laughs> um but yeah um until then, thanks so much for, for tuning in. And again, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, thank you.